0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, again, thank you for being here this morning. I I really cannot tell you how, how blessed my heart is to be here on this morning. Um... It's just, it's an honor to be here. Um, So let's, I've I've got a lot of scripture, a lot, but again, like I said, there's food over there that you'll get to eat it eventually. So I get, because of that, I bought myself an extra like hour of teaching. So it's going to be hot, Zach, there's a microwave too, all right? Okay, Zach, golly, we're just going to get into it really quick. You can follow along on the screen. We'll be in, none of these passages are short. I also say that for your encouragement. But they are crucial that we read and that we recognize. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Can we just be in awe of that for a moment? That God so loved the world, and I I love that reality of that phrasing. God so loved the world, God did not so love a few. He did not so love those that were a, a select group of people. He loved the world, and he offered his son the only sacrifice Capable of washing all of our sins, forgiving all of our sins. He loved the world. He loved us. Even us before, I mean, we, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago and neither were you, but he knew what we would do. He knew the things, the way that we would live. I, just looking at my life and the things that I've done, he was still faithful to the cross. He was still faithful to be there and God was still faithful to send him. Yours is not a story of condemnation, but of redemption. You have been redeemed. I need you to hear that. I'm, I'm not going to talk about you very much this morning. I feel like we're, we often talk about ourselves and what he did for us this morning. I just want to talk about what he did. I, I want to remove us from the equation, but I need you to hear this first. That you have been redeemed. Your story is not a story of condemnation, but of redemption. 1 Peter 1, 18, It's the good news that was preached to you. Amen. You are not only redeemed, but you are set apart. You are anointed for great and wonderful things. Amen. I'm just I'm blown away by this man of Jesus, by the Christ. He's he's incredible, isn't he? Go to go to Luke two. We'll be in chapter two. We'll be in verse one. We're going to look at just a few things that he did. This incredible Jesus. Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in a swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known, saying that they had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it had been as it had been told to them. The first thing that I'm just astounded by this Jesus Christ. This, this, this first thing is He left His throne to become a man. And not just a man. He could have just shown up and been a fully grown man. He came to be fully man. Born. And not just born, but born in one of the born in stables. Put in a manger where they put hay to feed the animals. Born into that, laid into that. Came in the most humble of ways in a town that was uh, very overlooked, looked down upon. But he also, boom, you got, you got a prophecy answered that he would come from the line of David. And he's born in this same city. But he, he chose that all of this time, knowing where he would end up, knowing that, he, knowing that he was to be the sacrifice for our sin. Can you imagine what that would be like to grow up with that understanding? Uh, now, I'm not saying he knew every detail of what was going to happen to him, but I'm saying he, he was obedient to his father to come, knowing that there had to be a sacrifice. He knew he was there when the prophecies about him were spoken. It's not like he did not exist. He was there when the prophecies about him were spoken. He knew what needed to be done. And he came. And he would be sacrificed for us. And he literally had people trying to kill him from the very beginning of his life here on this earth. Like immediately. Immediately he had people coming after him to kill him. That these things could not be true. Could you imagine that? You haven't done anything yet and already the world is against you. To grow up with that understanding that you had to flee to Egypt. We'll read that in just a second. They had to flee to Egypt until Herod was dead so that he would not be killed. That's how he grew up. Those were his infant days. I can't imagine. Matthew 2, 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until... Until you for or remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took, us, took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. And remaining there until the death of Herod, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. There we see it again. Faithful to the word spoken long before he was here on this earth. And I also just want to recognize his parents who are continually obedient. Continually obedient. Just astounding. I don't, I don't want to reach too much, but I, I just, I cannot comprehend that for Joseph. He's, he's, I mean, look at Joseph. He's not had an easy road, not for a day. The second married entered the picture. I mean, he's like, boom, I'm going to marry this girl. She's good looking. This is going to be cool. And then she's pregnant. That didn't work well. And they've got to leave. He's got to travel with this pregnant wife that he's been told was, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's got to take her all the way to his homeland. He's got to try to find a place for her to have this baby. No, can't do that. Let's just go into the manger. I can't imagine that as a father. To not be able to provide something like that for your, for your pregnant wife. who's Oh, by the way, pregnant with the Savior of the world. And all he could provide was this manger. Wow. Wow. And then he's woken up to be told that now somebody's coming to kill your family. They're coming to kill this child. And you've got to leave. Again. He's not had an easy road, but he says yes. And praise God that he says yes. Now look at chapter 3. In verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this, for this is he who is, was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. When Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, they were baptized by him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptisms, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to rise, raise up children for Abraham." Even now the axe is laid even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire I baptize you with water for repentance but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire his winnowing fork is in his right is in his hand and he will clear this threshing floor and gather His wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, he was, adu- he was an adult here. It's important for us to realize he was an adult here. It's not like day two, and he's baptized, he receives the Holy Spirit. He lived a life without the Holy Spirit, fully man. He lived a life. He lived a time without the Holy Spirit until it was right for him to fulfill this prophecy that he would be baptized by this man crying out in the wilderness as it said he would be. And in that point, he receives the Holy Spirit. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, there were a couple of weeks ago where people in here received that same Holy Spirit. Right, Jay? You were here, I'm pretty sure. Right? You witnessed it. That same Holy Spirit. I need you to recognize that. You received it as He received it. In a moment of obedience, you said yes to it, and you received it as Jesus did. That's important for us to recognize. Fully man receiving the Spirit as we get to receive the Spirit. He was receiving the Spirit for the first time. That's insane to me. It's important for us to recognize He was fully man. He knew what it was to live life without that power of God indwelling Him. Fully God, fully man. He didn't perform any miracles before that. And what did he do immediately after receiving the Holy Spirit? He goes off into the wilderness. That the things that he had been taught, the things that he had read, could become wisdom. Right? It's no longer knowledge for him. Now it's wisdom. Because it's what he knows to be true. It's what he has seen and experienced for himself. That's that's amazing to me. The same Spirit that is in this room right now, our Christ received for himself when he was about my age. It's astounding to me. It should be astounding to us. This Jesus. He was also tempted. We see that just in Matthew 4. As he goes into the wilderness, he's tempted, but he is unwavering. Again, knowledge becoming wisdom. He was found unwavering. And what would have happened if he had been wavering? We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. We just give him all this like, oh, of course Jesus isn't going to do that. He was fully man. And he stayed faithful. He stayed true to what the Lord had called him to. That's insane to think about cuz he was fully man. We need to recognize that reality of him. He was fully man. He went to his father. He came back when the when the disciples saw him, the apostles saw him again as he had risen and they thought it was a spirit. What did Peter go up and do? Touch the holes on his hand to realize he was flesh. And then what did Jesus do? He asked for some bread and he ate it right in front of him because he was, he was flesh. Astounding. It's a big deal. Now turn with me to Luke 22. We'll be in verse 14. that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out before you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be who is going to do this. And a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Of course, they just hear that someone there at the table is going to betray this Savior of theirs and it turns into a contest of who's who's his favorite who's come on let's just talk about let's not worry about who's going to betray him and kill him let's talk about which one is his favorite which one's the greatest that sounds like a thing that we do and he said to them the kings of the gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors but not so with you rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leaders as one who serves for who is, the, who is greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? It is not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might shift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith might not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Now to verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may, now, that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. From me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your, wills be, your will be done. Now to verse 47. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you, come out against, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour in the power of the darkness. I wanted to read all of that to illustrate this very simple thing of the betrayal that he was encountering. I don't know if you recognize this. Um, And again, I have to say he's fully man. So one, he's talking about the sacrifice that's to come. He's talking about the things that he's about to do. The life that he's about to lay down for them at this table. And what do they start arguing about? Who's the greatest? And then he's talking to Peter who's been with him. And he's done all these things for him. And if this was kind of playing through my mind the whole time we were watching The Chosen. If you hadn't watched that series, you need to watch it. It's free. Go watch it. It's amazing. But you see Peter in a... A wonderfully illustrated way. But as you're watching him, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, this guy's going to deny, he's going to deny Jesus. This is the same Peter. And you're, you're, you recognize a different kind of weight to that denial as you see all the things that he encountered walking with Jesus. And I love it too because they illustrate this faithfulness, this zeal that Peter had for him. And then he would still deny him. And then he's, he's betrayed by Judas. By Judas. He's, he's in the garden and it's, it's talking about how he's praying and he's sweating blood as he's asking if it, not, your, not my will, but your will be done. And he's coming back and they're asleep. It's like over and over he has, it's just this question. It's like, are they not listening to anything he's saying? Up until the final hours, he's still having to remind them of everything he's told them like children it's 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 insane you know Kai really likes to Kai and Liam can't just throw Kai under the bus they like to get on the table and they like to jump off the table onto the couch when we're not looking of course because it's unsafe and it drives me and my nuts we go insane it's super frustrating but what do they do they do it anyways, and what happens? One of them gets hurt, one of them gets pushed off, something like that. We get onto them, we tell them not to do it. What are they doing 30 seconds later? Like, what the heck, man? Kai, he's, he's the kid that if you say, don't touch that, it's hot, whatever. <laughs> and then he's going to throw a crazy wild fit because he just burned his hand, and then you're going to tell him the next day, don't touch that, it's hot. No, what he's going to do he's going to take his other hand, he's going to go touch it. That's, our, that's the disciples right here. But it's not a, a hot pan of cookies. Jesus is about to die. He is about to make the sacrifice that has been prophesied since the fall of man. And these twelve who he chose. This is the other thing. It's not like he just they just like signed up on a volunteer sheet. Like, yeah, I'll do it. I had nothing else to do. He came and he profoundly spoke into their life. Peter encountered him. Pulling in more fish than their boat could hold. While they, it's not, and it's not like they were way out there. They were just right up by the water, right up by the shore. An impossible thing. That's what they encountered the very first moment. And they're still bickering like children, touching the pan of cookies, burning their hands left and right. And then one of them, after living with them and encountering all, Of these things. Judas was there. He experienced all of this. Would betray him for a bag of money. Now I'm not talking about the disciples here. I'm talking about Jesus seeing that. How many of you have ever felt betrayed by a friend? That hurts, doesn't it? That hurts. Sometimes it will stop you in your tracks. Jesus didn't hesitate for a second to continue moving forward. I'm telling you right now, it would have stopped me where I stood because I would have been so heartbroken. And it's not like he just had one instance. We read just a little bit from one chapter where there are multiple instances of him being completely betrayed by those closest to him. Heartbreaking, but he was faithful. He continued to move forward. We would have stopped, but he didn't stop. And it he said this to me as I was looking at this and I was thinking about this, and the sacrifice had already begun. It's not like it's the, the, the process had already started. He was already recognized. Yeah, I mean, that would hurt, wouldn't it, to be betrayed like that? The pain had already started. This journey of sacrifice had already begun. He knew what was coming. He knew what was happening. But he was faithful to still speak truth over them and speak love over them and to be loved towards them now to be loved towards Judas and those that were gathered, that would worship had gone from worshiping with him one day worshiping with him throughout his life to now ready to kill him now look at Luke 23 we'll be in verse 46 then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. There was pride in the killing of him. There was rejoicing in the killing of him. Who had just simply come to set people free. They were rejoicing that he was dead. 24 verse 36. And when, they had said, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now you already know where we're going next. Turn to Acts. Verse 1. Or chapter 1, verse 4. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You heard from Me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth." And then Acts two: the reason he died you got to recognize that that moment of sin when when we were broken from God, we were that that toaster plugged into the wall, plugged into the power source, all of a sudden now unplugged, unable to be reconnected to God, no ability to be who He created us to be, vessels consumed by His presence, had to be made clean. Jesus' blood did that. And this is not... We know that part of the story is that we get to go to heaven someday and praise God for that. But that is not, that is not the, simply why he died. It's that heaven could come down. And in Acts 2, he makes true on his promise. He does exactly what he said he would do. He does exactly what everything had prophesied would be done. Everything that John said he would do. He baptized with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's why He died. That you may be filled. Amen? Amen? That you may be filled with the same presence of God that he was filled with. This person of the Holy Spirit could consume you and guide and direct you and lead you through this life. It's not just so we can go to heaven. It's so heaven can come down now. But we have to choose to be a part of building heaven each and every day. Right? Again, I said it at the beginning. We cannot just celebrate what he's done this one day. But we have to live in the reality of it every day. That he died, that the Holy Spirit could consume us and live within us and be expressed out of us. That we could be in this river of life that flows from the throne room of God. Would flow into us and flow out of us. To those around us. We've got to be ready. We've got to desire to build the kingdom each and every day because it's why he died. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we could see the reality of heaven now, not someday, but the reality of heaven now. That our streets could be paved with gold. That those that are, that are blind could see. Those that are lame could rise and walk. Those that are lost may be found. That's why he died. And that's why we have what we have. But I'm saying it starts by celebrating what He's done and recognizing the reality of it for your life, not just today, but for every day. Do you hear me? So let's build the kingdom together. Randy asked this simple question. I I don't know what we're waiting for. What are we waiting for? Nothing else is to come. Everything has come that was said would come, that would give us the ability to establish the kingdom of heaven here on this earth right now everything that was meant to come has come that's good news we are not these people of old in the old testament that had to wait we don't have to wait we can live it now we're not waiting for anything it's like waiting for christmas day we don't get to wait we don't have to wait for christmas day it's here we get to live it now we get to celebrate it now so i'm asking you will we celebrate it now will we live it now Not just today, but every single day. Because the presence of God is for you and was released for you. Right? His love and his sacrifice was for me and it was for you. Our story is a story of redemption. And our story is a story of power. Don't stop at redemption. You have been redeemed. It's not this process anymore. It's done. You're redeemed. Now, what else does your story tell? Are you still pur- pursuing redemption? Stop. It's done. You're redeemed. Boom. Done. Period. Next chapter. You are redeemed. Now, live victorious. I'm telling you, that same shout of joy and praise that we echoed out should be the same shout of joy and praise we echo out every day because of this reality that we get to walk in, that we get to live in. And it should be a mysterious thing that the world sees. How can we not be joyful? Because the thing that has been waited for for so long, we don't have to wait for anymore. We get to live it. The same presence of God, the same Spirit, this Holy Spirit that dwelled in jesus now gets to dwell in us that's amazing that's amazing everything that jesus was able to do everything that every every how jesus lived we get to live the reality the reality of is the presence of god is here he's waiting for you to say yes let's go build it let's build the kingdom You have been redeemed. Now embrace it, take it, and now walk with it because Jesus did not die for you to sit in this seat. He died that you would get up and move in victory. Victory is not waiting for you in that seat. It's waiting for you in the life that you have to live. And that's the testimony of victory. Not you staying still, but you moving forward, right? What testimony of victory is there if we never move? So what are we waiting for? Let's start moving. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the reality of it. I pray that we would be a people on the move. Operating in power and victory. We are redeemed. There's nothing else to wait for. Our sins have been forgiven. There's nothing else to wait for. The Spirit of God is here. As He was made available to you, He is made available to us. There's nothing else to wait for. We've just got to take it. we got to say yes to it and go. We love you. We thank you. And I pray that as we leave this place singing and rejoicing that your heart would be blessed, but the world would know what we're celebrating, that the tomb was found empty. But not just simply found empty. It was found empty and then you made true to your promises and sent the spirit of God to live among us. Thank you. I pray that we would see testimony of power. I pray that this house would hear constantly and continually forevermore testimony of power, testimony of victory, testimony of life given and life lived. We love you and we thank you. I pray that we would make a joyous noise in this place, in this city, And that all would know that we celebrate the reality that our King lives, and the tomb was found empty. And we get to live in communion with you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. He who conquered death, in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.